Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hello everyone. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 9, Dinner Party. In this episode, Michael and Jan show off their condo. We see a dinner party without dinner, and Michael and Jan might be having relationship problems. Before we get started, this episode is pretty widely considered the best episode of The Office. Pretty much any internet list you will see has this listed as the best episode. Rolling Stone did a oral history on this. The Ringer named it its top episode in its top 50 list. So this, like I said, pretty widely considered the best episode. What do you think about that? I think that's pretty accurate. It's a pretty tight, uh, concise episode. We really only have the A plot, and we learn a lot about all the characters involved in this dinner party. And it's just, it's very memorable. And I think, and we'll talk about this later, there's a lot of improvisation happening by the actors. I think there was a joy to all of the shooting of this and the production of it is because they just came back from that six month long writer's strike. So I think the feeling that probably the cast and crew had is is pretty well conveyed through this episode as well, you could say. Um, so it is it is a pretty good one. Would you say it's your top episode of The Office? Just personal preference. No. It's up there, but I can think of maybe one or two others that are pretty classic for me. I, I think upon this rewatch of it, I don't remember the last time I've seen this episode, nor how many times I have seen this episode in general. Maybe like twice before this. It is better than I remembered. I think once you are like looking for the nuances of things and this is, you know, something we will go over in this ep- in this episode, it it do- it really is a very well-written episode first of all. Yeah. And and just how it is shot and how everything comes together. Like you said, it is it is very very good. I also would not say it's my favorite I think basketball is probably my favorite and might be, in my opinion, a better episode just because of how, I mean, this this is utterly ridiculous too, but just how utterly ridiculous that episode is. Yeah. My favorite episodes are Customer Survey in Season 5 and also a Season 5 episode. It's the one that aired after the Super Bowl and I think like 2008 and it has the cold open with the fire drill. <laughs> yeah. Stress relief part one uh, just kind of is memorable to me in that respect. It was the first episode I ever watched. So this episode's cold open kind of sets up the rest of the episode. We see the employees, they're at the office, and they're all like just going through folders and... It's unclear what they're doing. Right, right. And so we see Michael check in with Jim and says, hey, got any plans tonight? And Jim's like, no, you told us not to make any because we'd be working late. And it's a Friday. Right. And so Michael's like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm going to call corporate right now and say, we're not going to take it. So he goes into his office and he's 
audibly yelling into the phone that, and in his words, they're just tired of working. Like if this isn't a this isn't a problem with this particular project that they are working on. Michael is just very vague in everything and just says that they're done, they're tired of working, and they're not going to do it anymore. He goes back into the larger part of the office and announces that everybody can go home. He, he's told corporate exactly how he feels, and everybody can leave. And the reason for this vagueness is that it's all a ruse. Michael pretty much set up this overtime assignment and made people stay. It's unclear how long they've been staying past, you know, their normal maybe five o'clock quit time, maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes, in order to get Jim and Pam to come to dinner. We have seen Michael ask Jim and Pam about having dinner together a couple of times during this season. And Jim says to the camera, Michael's asked them about nine times and they've been able to get out of it. But this time they can't because Michael cleared it with Jim before calling, fake calling corporate, that he didn't have any plans. So now Jim and Pam are trapped into coming to dinner. And that really explains like the vagueness of everything. Like this is very clearly a Michael plot because of how little was thought through about it. Although even though it works, but like people just going through files, like there does not appear to be a purpose. And so Michael probably just like, yeah, they said we got to look for this number. And so like people are just going through files and then so Michael can cut that pretty quickly. Mm hmm. Andy and Angela also get invited to the dinner party, much to the hurt of Dwight, who is told he can't come because it's only for couples, and Jan and Michael only have six wine glasses. Dwight's pretty hurt, and he ends up crying to the camera. So the rest of the episode takes place nearly solely in Michael and Jan's condo. Yes, this is, in TV parlance, a bottle episode. Mm -hmm. The party is instantly awkward. From the moment they walk in the door, it's just like Jan and Michael don't know what to do or how to be. And also adding to the fact that this was a clearly planned out thing, masterminded a little bit by Jan, but also Michael, Jan's got dinner cooking. However, it needs to braise for three hours from the moment they walked in. So let's say it's about seven at this point. Sure. I think I would lose my mind if that was the case. But Michael, Jan goes in for a big hug with Jim. So then Michael hugs Pam and kind of holds on for a little too long. It's all just... So if you... Think back to the last time that we have seen Michael and Jan together. It is at the end of the deposition. Right. And Michael essentially turns his back on Jan, stays loyal to Dunder Mifflin, and they have just this awkward car ride home where they really just aren't addressing kind of the issues that are happening between them. So this entire episode, you see just this simmering pot Yes. And from the very, very beginning, you can kind of see that Jan and Michael are acting like as this couple that there is something happening, but they are putting on the 
the brave face, the the kind face that no, everything is great. And especially in this situation where they have to host people. Right. By their own choice. Right. So they have to kind of if if this was a different situation where say Michael and Jan were in this fight and they went over to somebody else's house, they could kind of blend into the scenery and just kind of stay off to the side mm-hmm. and pretend like everything's okay without like having to openly make it seem like things are truly okay. In this situation where they are hosting, they are guiding everything. They are <laughs> yeah. They are the tour guides here and so they have to be involved. They can't just sit in the corner. And they are over the top. They constantly, with every sentence, they're calling each other babe. From the start, it's like, okay, should we do a tour? Should we do appetizers? And Jim says, let's do a tour. So Jane leads the tour, but she says to Michael, should we start up the stairs, downstairs, babe? And it's just this continual thing of every time they address each other, it's just babe. Let's talk a little bit about this tour of the condo. So this was Michael's condo. We saw him buy it in season two. And then Jan moved in when she got fired from corporate at the end of last season. So, but Jan has taken over the condo. So it looks like a three bedroom condo. First room they go into is her office. Very kind of sparse. There's a desk and a laptop and some things on the wall. And she's like, doesn't get used very much. Nothing to see here. Second room they go into, she says, is her workspace. And Jim and Pam's face changes as soon as they walk in here because they're taking in a lot of smells. And this is apparently where Jan makes her candles. She's starting this business, Serenity by Jan. And it is here that we kind of see that development of Jan and Michael's relationship problems. Yeah. So... There is an extended interaction here where Jan has a candle and she asks Jim to smell it. And Jim's like, that's a fire. And Jan's like, it's bonfire. And Michael just goes into this word vomit of Bond, James Bond, James Bonfire. And then he does the accent. And then he says, Michael Scar. (laughs) And as... As he is going through this, Jan is just sitting there just like, she closes her eyes and like just tenses up. Yes. And she just takes a big smell of her candle. And she says that anytime that she's frustrated or annoyed, she just comes up here and smells all the candles and just is like very, just very anxious and, and wild about it. And so clearly... That's exactly what was going on as Michael is doing this dumb impression thing that he does is that she is it's it's the t- it's the time where you get so annoyed with somebody that every little thing that they do just bugs you. Michael's comedy routine is clearly wearing thin on Jan. Last room upstairs is the master bedroom. And we know from earlier this season that Jan has been undertaking a lot of redecoration and some some house projects, you know, new paint, new carpet, etc. And she, as soon as they walk in, explains that when she got there, the walls were like asylum white and she wanted to be a softer white. If you've ever bought paint, 
white is pretty much white. Like it can be like a dirty white, if you will, but you're pretty much just getting white. And a lot of awkward things happen in the bedroom. Not just at this time, but clearly in Jane and Michael's relationship overall. Which we knew that this was happening. Yeah. We see a camera set up on a tripod, which... Old school. Which, yeah, which (laughs) in a bedroom can really only mean one thing. It's pointed at the bed. Yes. And we know from a conversation before, like you said, that Jan has her and Michael's sexual escapades filmed and then has Michael rewatch them and like critiques his methods or whatever and then she shows that to her therapist as well yes we learned that in the season three episode women's appreciation at the mall food court and so this clearly is not healthy it's a very weird dynamic yes and then we also learned that michael doesn't even sleep on the bed pam notices this bench at the foot of the bed and compliments it and michael's like yep that's where i sleep and Jim and Pam are like, wait, what? This looks way too small. And Jan is very <laughs> eager to point out, nope, it's actually kind of the perfect size for him. And Michael gets on there and curls up. And Michael sleeps on a bench at the foot of the bed. And the only reason that Pam even mentioned the bench is that she's casting around for something to break the awkwardness of everyone seeing this right. video camera. So clearly, Jan has taken over nearly every aspect of the condo. And I want to I wanna talk about that a little bit because I moved into Curtis's place uh, in our early dating time. So Curtis, did I pull a Jan, do you think? Yes. <laughs> yes. To a certain extent. I feel like anytime a woman moves into a man's house, that's going to be the inevitable outcome. Not not in a not in the in this extreme of a sense, but like most guys don't have pictures hanging up on their walls. Yeah. Or like pictures on end tables or extra pillows or <laughs> matching sheets and <laughs> pillowcases or like a curtain the curtains matching the color of the like a bedroom set type thing one thing that i did because just combining kitchen stuff we just rearranged the kitchen and even years later not years but a couple years later curtis was still going to the quote-unquote wrong cabinet for the plate so I do feel bad about that um yeah and I did hang up some artwork and stuff that I had so it really was I was like oh I kind of jammed uh Curtis a little bit well like I said very rarely is the case this extreme where it's just like well this is my house now it is more just of a, you're adding your touch to it. Yeah, Curtis still got to sleep in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> when the tour moves back to the downstairs area, we see kind of the only places that Michael is still allowed to have kind of 
his things. Michael is very, very proud of one thing in this house, and it is his plasma screen TV. This TV is probably 12 inches, I, if even that. I said 24. No. Okay, no, no, but no, no, I no. also... No, 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 no. It's like, a, it's like the size of a laptop screen. Yeah, maybe slightly big. Well, yeah, 12 inches is about yeah. a big... 14 inches, okay. I think, is a big laptop screen, yeah. Yes. And he says, oh my gosh, I have this $200 plasma TV. It's so great. I can stand here and watch TV for hours. And he's very proud. Like he, he hung it on one of those swinging arms. And he says, if we got a lot of people here, boom, it can go straight into the wall. Which, okay, apparently, and this is a little bit of an early annex, but apparently that scene they had to film so many times because it's a small TV it's a small arm holding the TV to the wall. It moves like maybe two to three <laughs> inches. It's off center. <laughs> or it's, it like, it feels like the arm is centered to where if the TV was larger, it would be centered onto the wall. Yes. But since it's so small, it's off to the side. Right. And so, my, so Steve Curl had to play that as Michael just having so much pride and showing like look it goes into the wall and then everyone just busts up laughing every time because it's so ridiculous because it it's already practically in the wall right <laughs> we also see that michael has made a table of some sort and it's holding a plant it is barely standing on its own it's <laughs> these it's legs a... are not even <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then jim points out that all of Michael's dundies are on display and kind of jokes that he's surprised that they aren't on the mantle. Which apparently they used to be. Right. And so Jan chimes in and says that, and, and again, we are, we are really adding to this, this simmering pot here. Yeah. Where Jan points out, is like, well, it was either the dundies or the neon beer sign. And Jan said that you can keep those dundies. And so essentially, Jan gave an ultimatum and then made the decision for Michael. And they're sort of hidden away. They're they're on a just a shelf, kind of tucked into a corner. Whereas we know how seriously Michael takes the Dundies, and and they were probably very prominently displayed prior to Jan being like, eh, no. Andy and Angela show up around now. And Jan and Michael do literally the exact same welcome and intro and, oh my God, let's do a tour, upstairs, downstairs, babe, that they did with Jim and Pam. Seeing as there is three hours until dinner time, there is going to be a lot of time to kill. Yeah. And you can only fill that time with so much. And so we see a shot of everyone just kind of sitting in the living room in silence and Jan decides that this is the time to kind of break that silence. And she goes and she puts on some music. And this is just one of those things that stands out about The Office <laughs> as a series is this song. Yeah. It is by Jan's former assistant, Hunter. And it is, it is a poorly recorded song. It was clearly done probably with the same technology that right. we are using to you to record this podcast. 
and Hunter can't sing very well. It's very uh, mid-2000s, like, emo type of music. <laughs> but really, what really stands out are the lyrics. And it is the story of an older woman showing, basically making a man of Hunter, which is in the lyrics. Yeah, so we, so you are, it's, it's unclear, but you can insinuate from this lyric that Jan and Hunter had an intimate encounter. And judging by everyone else's faces in the room, they are making that same insinuation. So the song is called That One Night. And Jan really loves it. She is dancing to the music, kind of in a weird, just swaying sort of way. Channeling her inner Stevie Nicks. <laughs> and the lyrics are, you took me by the hand, made me your man. That one night, you made everything all right. <laughs> I had this song as a ringtone. That doesn't surprise me. And sometimes I would use it for an alarm because it was just funny and so it would be like a funny way to wake up. <laughs> After this musical interlude, the party moves on to classic party game of charades. The celebrity only one. Yeah. The teams have been divided into Andy, Pam, Jan versus Michael, Jim, Angela. And just looking at those teams... To start, you knew this was going to be doomed because <laughs> yes. Angela is a wet blanket and is not going to participate. Or know very many things. Right. Jim is not going to take it seriously at all. So when Michael gets up to perform, it's going to be doomed. And this is exactly what we see. We see Andy kind of give a good effort in his performance time. His celebrity is Joe Montana. And knowing everything I know about Andy, he probably just didn't know who Joe Montana was. <laughs> Maybe. And so he breaks it down. He gets them to say, to guess Joe Camel and then the state of Montana to combine those. And it's a very roundabout way. And Pam points out immediately, he's like, why didn't you just say the 49, famous 49ers quarterback? <laughs> Michael and Jan really take the opportunity, pretty much every opportunity they get, to just make things as awkward as possible for people. They're they're two awkward people. Now, I would argue Jan didn't used to be this way. Her character development has evolved into just this downward spiral. So as Michael is getting ready for his turn, he's over the top and he's like clapping and saying them this weird robotic voice like my turn you know and just making a cheer out of it it's hard to explain and jan is like can you just take it down a notch michael's response is well i was watching jim's face and he really liked it and it was funny and jan says no i was watching his face and he did not react that way so jim takes this opportunity to make a break for it he goes to the bathroom then grabs his phone and says, oh my gosh, I just got this message from my landlord. My apartment is flooding. Pam, we got to go check this out. Michael's not going to let them get off that easy though, because he said, you don't need two people to do that. And Jim is going to take that opportunity to just leave Pam. Mm -hmm. He's like, yep, that's right. Okay. See you at home, Pam. 
And Pam is like, no, 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 you're not going to leave this party here all by itself. And so the the mad dash to get away doesn't work out for Jim and Pam. Yeah, Pam really very quickly turns the tables on Jim after Michael points out that two people don't need to go. And Jim, Pam's like, you can buy new stuff. You can't buy a new party. <laughs> and Michael agrees. And so Jim does get sucked back into this party. They're still waiting for dinner to fully cook. And so Jan, Pam, and Angela make a girl's trip to the kitchen to get more wine. Everyone, and if it was a different show or a longer episode, you would see people getting drunker because people are drinking copious amounts of wine and there is still no food or seemingly any appetizers or anything to munch on. So Michael, Jim, and Andy go out into the garage. In the kitchen, Jan has been making passive-aggressive comments at Pam all night, and it really comes to a head here because Jan's under the assumption that Michael and Pam used to date based on some vagaries that maybe Michael alluded to or this jealousy that she has towards Pam. And Angela is not helping matters because she'll agree with a lot of what Jan is saying. Like, oh, I think she holds faxes. Or I've seen the way that Pam looks at Michael in the office. So they're really ganging up on Pam in this case. The reason that there had to be the separation of the sexes here is that we kind of see the party hit kind of a point of no return almost. At one point, everyone is again sitting in silence and Pam is kind of shivering because she's cold. So Michael gives her his jacket. And this sets Jan off because of the jealousy she has towards Pam and just the multiple instances of probably, like you said, based off of things that Michael has told her. And so Jan says, sorry about the temperature in here with the sliding glass door being broken it's kind of hard to keep things warm and it's very it's just dripping in a touch of sarcasm a lot of passive aggression and a lot of self-deprecation like oh god i'm such a bad hostess i'm so sorry you're uncomfortable and apparently the reason the glass door is broken is that michael ran through it to get to the ice cream truck. Yeah. Jan says this and she is, when she finishes saying the glass, you know, the, the part about the sliding glass door being broken, she is expecting somebody to be like, oh, what happened? But Pam's just kind of like, oh no, it's okay. And Jan takes this opportunity to say how the glass door got broken. And it's like, it's actually a really cute story. And she turns to Michael and asks, do you want to tell it? And Michael's like, I don't like that story. And Jan's like, no, I'm, we're telling it anyway. Like she, yeah. she is needling Michael here. And so it, is, it seems at this point that the gloves are off for the both of them. Like they are now both out to get the other one. But they're doing it in that weird way of when you are fighting, but in front of mixed company. And so you're kind of doing it with a smile, but you're still getting in jabs. Yeah. Because Michael says, so I like ice cream, sue me. And then he says, oh no, you shouldn't say that in front of Jan because she will sue you. Right. 
and it's just it just keeps escalating and at one point Jan says oh well I'm just the devil I've made things you know better for him like god forbid and it's just cringy and awkward and that's where you know the Rolling Stones or the Ringer talk about it the cringy and awkwardness comes from the implosion of Michael and Jan's relationship but they don't want to see it because they've insisted on having this dinner party. Yeah. In the garage, Michael uses the opportunity to have Andy and Jim sort of one-on-one to present them with a business opportunity to invest in Serenity by Jan for the low, low price of $10,000 to become a co-owner. It is at about this time that the dinner party sees an unexpected guest. Dwight, being his normal awkward self, did not take no for an answer when it was told to him that he wasn't invited to this party. Michael gave the reasons that it's only for couples and they only have six wine glasses. So Dwight shows up with some lady and two wine glasses so in his mind problem solved like i can come to this party now and a cooler of food yes <laughs> this causes a fight between jan and michael and it turns out that the reason that dwight wasn't invited is because jan doesn't like dwight it didn't really have anything to do with the numbers or the wine glasses those were just the reasons that jan gave And so then Michael's response is, well, he's my friend. I want him to come. And this is something that's kind of weird with this show in general, is that we see Michael vacillate back and forth between him being really good friends with Dwight and wanting to have him around and asking him to do things for him and then not wanting anything to do with Dwight. Right. It's really only when it suits him. And this is one of those situations where generally he wouldn't want to have anything to do with Dwight. He is too busy hanging out with the cool kids of the office. And he is willing to let Dwight stay to the side on this, in this situation generally. But because of the issues that Michael and Jan are having in throughout this night, This is the opportunity for Michael to get something over on Jan. Jan clearly stated before this night, said, no, I didn't want him here, like you just said, because she doesn't like Dwight. And what she says has to go. Yeah. And so Michael is now, oh, no, the issue was that it's for couples only, and we only have six wine glasses. Both of those problems are solved now. Come on in, Dwight. He's my friend. I want him here. The fight this prompts is... In the vein of, we always do what you want to do. And that's what Jan says to Michael. Oh, yeah, we, whatever you want to do, that's what we do. And Michael then reveals a lot about their relationship when in actuality, not really the case. Jan pretty much rules the roost. Yeah, this starts very, very innocently of with things that just come up in a relationship where... You know, Michael says that they went out to go see a show and he wanted to see Stomp and she wanted to see Wicked. Well, you can only see one of those shows. So somebody is going to get their way. And so they went and saw Wicked. There's another thing that's pretty inconsequential. And then Michael gets really, really personal. 
and shows a what appears to be a big time sticking point for their relationship. Michael, as we know, wants to have kids. He just wants to be a dad. And so Jan, at one point in the relationship, said, no, I don't want to have kids. So Michael got a vasectomy. And then Jan, at some point, changed her mind that she did want to have kids. And so Michael got that vasectomy reversed. And then Jan changed her mind again. So Michael has had three vasectomy procedures. (laughs) which I don't think is possible. Yeah, that's excessive. And and very revealing. This is in front of, this is happening while Dwight and his guests are still on the threshold. Jim, Pam, Andy, and Angela are standing in the hallway kind of watching this exchange, and it's getting tense. Dwight and his guests, who turns out to be his babysitter, have been invited inside, and everyone is sitting at the table pretty much in silence. Dwight and his babysitter are eating their turkey legs and beet salad, and they have lawn chairs that Michael probably had to pull out from the garage because they did only have six chairs. The food is still not quite done, So it's got to be getting towards the 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock hour. As Jan goes to pull the meat from the oven, Michael leans over to Pam and says, I don't have any proof, but I think she might be poisoning me. And Pam is, is going through everything that has happened in this night in her head and says to the camera that if she's going to poison anybody at this table, it will be me, Michael's former lover. Yes. Finally, people have something to eat. And Michael likes to dip his meat. What Jan served is also buco, which I think is a form of like a pot roast or something like that. Yeah. Um, so Michael likes to dip this in red wine to soften it up. And Jan is just furiously annoyed. She's just beyond irritated with him. And she's like, ew, don't. That's gross. In response... Michael goes and hangs up his polygirl beer sign right on the wall uh, behind the table and turns it on. So everyone's just in this neon glow. Jan tries to keep up the facade of like fighting through a smile and like gritted teeth of, hey, babe, do you think we can take that down? And so we can talk about it when our guests are gone. And Michael refuses to engage further in this type of fighting and just says, nope, I like it up there. Yes, we have now reached the breaking point of everything. Jan responds by just slamming her hands on the table. She gets up and she puts on the CD again. And Michael says, you know, Jan thinks that Hunter is really talented and I just don't see it. And Jan comes back and says, well, at least he's an artist. Michael responds to that by saying, so am I. I am a screenwriter. Jan says, well, I'm a candle maker. But you don't see me bragging about it. Right. And the, the anger, the tension just keeps rising and rising up to the point where Jan goes over to the shelf with the Dundies, grabs it and throws it directly at the plasma TV. And Michael just has a hilarious response. Good luck paying me back on your $0 a year salary plus benefits, babe. 
Michael revealing the price that he paid for this plasma TV really just adds to the ridiculousness of it because at this time plasma TVs were probably like brand new. They were right. a, they were a big deal. And so any plasma t- plasma screen TV worth having at that point is probably four figures maybe high three figures and michael spent 200 dollars on this one and it shows because like we said earlier it's very tiny jan runs off in tears the police end up coming because of the yelling because they're in a condo so there's probably shared walls and the group really disperses from here the police suggest that maybe michael wants to stay somewhere else uh for the night no one else is offering besides dwight of course So Michael goes home with Dwight. And after this, we get a shot of how everyone else kind of spent the rest of their night. Seeing as they probably all got maybe like five bites of food in before everything went to hell. Jim and Pam go to a burger place and are just eating burgers. And Jim reveals that he stole the Hunter CD and they play it in the car. Andy and Angela go get some ice cream. And we see something from Jam that we have kind of seen before where everything kind of hits ahead and it all falls apart. And then Jan is usually the one that kind of comes back. She is seen watching Michael's busted plasma TV and trying to super glue his Dundee back together. And even when the cops were there, Jan comes running out of the condo and just like, oh, what's happening? What's, oh, oh my God, don't, please don't do anything to, to him. Like she doesn't want Michael to get hurt. She doesn't want Michael to get in trouble because she truly, she obviously feels some kind of way about Michael. And it is very confusing for her and frankly for us as to what, that way is this episode is sort of a case study of four couples you could say jan and michael are unraveling and just toxic together jim and pam are in a loving sort of stable relationship andy and angela are just mismatched and don't have any chemistry and then dwight and his babysitter it as dwight said is just a purely carnal relationship well you also have another relationship in there and that's dwight and angela's which is dissolving right undercurrent right because she's upset that dwight showed up and probably to a certain extent it showed up with someone right and so that's really where the episode ends so let's go to the annex with antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode So as we said, this is the first episode that was broadcast post-Writer's Strike. And because of that gap, you don't get the story flow a little bit of what they were trying to do with that post-deposition. That the deposition episode started the cracks for Jan and Michael's relationship. And this episode just shows the implosion of it. A lot of these scenes were improvised by the actors, like I said. Uh, Jan going over and grabbing Jim's hand to try to dance with him. The scene where she calls herself the devil and does the, the devil horns. 
And then most of the uh, back and forth about the poly girl uh, beer sign between Michael and Jan were improvised. Angela Kinsey is heavily pregnant in this episode and so they do a lot of hiding with like a heavy coat or a pillow or she stays in the car when they get ice cream. And this episode was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Writing. So one of the things that I thought was interesting that I did not catch was that other writers for the series, because they had just come back from the strike, they added in some background gags to uh, to the whole episode. So Andy's wearing two coats and holding a coat. It's probably like late fall, fallish. It doesn't seem like it's winter yet, but he's he's a uh, Eastern Coast guy, so he's always got a lot of clothes on. All the pictures in the condo are apparently of Jan, of Jan and other men. I didn't really pick up on that. I'll have to watch the episode again to look at the background. And in Michael's garage, there is both a solo flex and a bow flex because the writers are just pointing out that Michael probably gets taken in by late night infomercials a lot. Curtis, does Michael get fired for his overtime assignment ruse or do we have any firings? That's a good question. I haven't thought of that. I wouldn't think so. I mean, I assume that everybody that works there is salary, except for the people who, except for the sales team who work on commission. So it's not like that costs the company anymore, I guess. So I would say no. And considering this is a bottle episode that happens outside of the office, as usual, no one really gets fired enough. So Daryl Watch continues, especially considering he wasn't in this episode at all. Interesting point, though, that this was a party for all the couples of the office, and Daryl and Kelly weren't invited. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're not really a very strong couple yet, perhaps. Do you have a Dundee to give out? My Dundee is the weirdest instance of self-deprecation, and that goes to Jan. Like I said, she points out on the tour just the different improvements that she's made, And what happens is as they start up the stairs, she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry for this just God awful carpet. We are still a work in progress. And it's a pointed jab at Michael and just how he had the condo prior to her being there. But it's one of those things that when you're the guest, you don't know how to respond to that because you've one, never been there. And two, it's just carpet. Right. Like, okay. Or because you, then you feel obligated to be like, oh no, it's really great. And that's kind of how this whole dinner party goes for for all the guests. Like, oh, those are great candles or something. Yeah. What is your Dundee? My Dundee is Shade Queen, and that goes to Jan. <laughs> she gets jabs in throughout this episode. There are two that stand out to me that are directed towards Pam, and they happen in pretty quick succession. When Pam and Jim first show up, Pam presents Jan with a bottle of wine, as one is wont to do when they go to somebody's house just as a guest. And Jan is like, oh, thank you very much. This will be great to cook with. <laughs> Which is yes. something you don't, you only do with like cheap wine. Yeah, you're like, we're going to burn off the alcohol. Right. And like, this is something like any time that get a bottle of wine, like somebody brings a bottle of wine over or somebody gives us a bottle of wine, like, I will, we will say that to each other <laughs> almost every single time, just as a joke. Like, right. oh, this will be great to cook with. <laughs> and then as the tour is commencing and they're 
it is shown that Jan has an office and a workplace, Jan is like, I just can't work. I can't be creative in the same place that I'm working in. And then she says to Pam, I'm sure it's the same way with your doodles, which again is just a shot at Pam's Yeah, art you're not career. a serious right. artist or a graphic designer or something. Yeah. Who is your employee of the month? I chose Michael because he was able to host the dinner party of his dreams, in, in a way, I guess, finally, by creating this work ruse and checking in along the way that Jim still didn't have plans, they were still going to be free, and for Michael, that was probably a big accomplishment, knowing what we know about him, to not give up his plan. It's the it's the anti thing that Jim did earlier this season where Jim knew Michael had plans that yes. he couldn't get out of and it's like, Hey, uh, you know how you were always asking if Pam and I wanna have dinner? We can do that tonight. Yeah. I'm like, Oh no, I I have plans. Oh man, it's too bad. It's the only time we can do it. <laughs> what who is your employee of the month? My employee of the month is everyone in the office that didn't have to go to this party. Yeah. It's it's just it is it is honestly extremely awkward. I don't think it's as cringeworthy as people say it is in terms of this episode. Now, if you were there, right. yeah, this You're would like, be Oh my god. You'd be looking for the nearest window to jump out of if that's what it took to get out of there. But like watching the episode, it's not all that awkward. But yes. Even still, I wouldn't want to be there. It's funny that Michael announces this dinner party openly at the office when he's like, when Dwight asks about what time he should arrive and, and Michael's sort of putting him off. He's like, well, Angela and Andy will be there. And everyone else is sort of standing there because Phyllis and Bob Vance, again, they're not a couple from the Dunder Mifflin office, but everyone was just at their wedding. It's just sort of a weird thing. And again, Michael's desire to be with the quote, cool kids. So that does it for this week's episode. Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates and continue listening to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, comment, wherever you can in order to get our name out there. We appreciate you listening to us, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. That one night.